This episode is brought to you by LiveUp.com, where taking live online classes has never been easier. Live is a community-based platform that gives people the opportunity to learn new skills and abilities through the form of live online classes, pre-recorded videos, and one-on-one lessons. We aim to give everyone a platform to easily teach and learn various skills and subjects. If there's a new skill you've been wanting to pick up, or if you'd like to monetize a skill you have, be sure to check it out at liveup.com, spelled L-Y-V-E-U-P.com. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a simple all-in-one solution as opposed to the ever-changing variety of supplements I have been taking for as long as I can remember. Sometimes up to three ramekins a day full of pills and powders trying to find the right formula for peak performance. Now that I've been taking Athletic Greens for a few months, I love it and I will never go back. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach and an additional one in the evening when I'm feeling run down. I've seen such a difference in my own performance that I recently ordered additional AG1 for the rest of my family to use. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and supports better sleep quality and recovery, in addition to mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com contacts. Again, this is athleticgreens.com contacts to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Clem. The goal of great leaders is not just to have compliant followers, but to develop other leaders. Thank you for tuning in to the Success is a Choice podcast network for our Leaders Growing Leaders series. Though paperwork, scheduling, and standard operating procedures are important daily functions of an athletic director, in this series, we talk with athletic directors who see their purpose as much more than just administering and managing. During this series, we talk with leaders on how they're growing and developing other leaders, how they're making the people around them better and building a stronger, healthier culture. Today, we are talking with Justin Climo, the athletic director at Stevenson School near Pebble Beach, California. Justin also has his own podcast that promotes leadership, learning, and a of athletics. So Justin, thank you for joining us today. And thank you also for what you do for students and coaches. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you and see what I can learn. 
<laughs> well, I don't know if you'll learn anything from me today. Uh, I want I want to learn from you. That's why we're having you on the show. The goal is pretty much to have people smarter than me on the show because you're not going to learn a whole lot if it's just me. We appreciate well, isn't you. Isn't that why I had you on my show for the same reason? So maybe we'll just meet in the middle. As an AD one of your roles is kind of to coach the coaches, but you're also a basketball coach. I didn't mention that in the intro. You're a basketball coach as well, but what are some ways that you help your coaches be better and do their jobs better? That's actually a really good question. And part of the reason that the podcast was started, to be honest with you, I was looking for a way to help our coaches who may not have the same network that I do to find some mentorship so that I don't sound like Charlie Brown all the time. And so I just started going into the bag of contacts and, and interviewing people and putting it out there. But one thing that's interesting about our school is we are a boarding school. We're the largest boarding school west of the Mississippi. So think of the East Coast, uh, Northeast, and where you can throw a rock and hit another school, right? There's not that many out here, but we still work under the same model where our faculty are obligated to participate in the co-curricular program the same way as our students. And so often that means you're getting young people with early career experience that need to coach, but also are looking to grow uh, their skill set. And so I was like, hey, how do we figure this thing out? And so through a lot of these interviews, um, I've been able to develop some additional skills just by talking to 80 or 100 plus people over the last two years that then have been able to help massage some things with our coaches. Um, the other thing that we intentionally try to do at our school is provide the equivalent of faculty enrichment, but for coaches. So uh, providing opportunities for them to go to clinics, get additional certifications, and find cohorts of other like-minded individuals where they can continue to grow themselves so that they can best serve the athletes that are in front of them. How do you mix it up or balance between being in charge, being the boss, so to speak, being the athletic director and developing other leaders? Well, I got a great story about that. So I took over as the athletic director between four and six years ago. I don't remember. I lost, lost some time and space over the pandemic. Uh, but what I learned is in our opening of the year coaches meeting, where we're doing the return, return to school faculty meetings and boundary training and all these other things, I would get time for two hours or so to meet with all the coaches. And in that meeting, we were talking about how to create an opportunity outside of the season for athletes that wanted to get some additional work in. And I solicited some ideas and some questions. And one of them was, hey, what if we create these winter training classes uh, that are setting up the spring sports? And it was like, cool, no problem. So I left that conversation thinking that everyone was on board. And so we created these classes. And then when I messaged that out, one of my coaches came in and he was like, hey, look, I didn't sign up for this. We were just having a conversation. And I'm really not that comfortable that you went ahead and did this. And it, it turned a switch for me where when you move from coach to administrator, your, your hat is now changing, whether you realize it or not. And I thought I was just having a collegial conversation with my other coaches soliciting ideas, but then my suggestion came off like a mandate. 
And so it was really important for me to understand that because I had to go through that lens shift in all of my interactions where I will actually name things at certain times where I've had a, a conversation with another coach of ours where it's like, do you want me to be the AD right now? Or do you want me to be your coaching colleague? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to have two different answers to what you're talking about, depending on what hat I'm wearing. And so that's been a really important shift that ironically enough, I used often as a teacher, coach, and advisor, where one of my advisees is also on my team. And it's like, hey, I'm wearing the advisory hat right now. I'm not the coach. Um, and so that's just been something that I've had to learn to navigate uh, and be very cognizant of what role I'm playing in any given situation. Pivoting to your question about the basketball team, how do you grow the next generation of leaders? And then this spills over as well for my athletic director hat to, to, uh, to the coaches. But you have to give people opportunity to coach. You have to give people opportunity to fall down and make mistakes and have successes and then debrief them, right? Whereas as we're younger coaches and we have assistants, often they're just standing there waiting to do things because you're not empowering them. Um, I have tried often through conversations with you and these, these other coaches I've been talking to, it's like, how do you clearly articulate and define your assistant coaches roles in the same way that you do your athletes roles and then empower them to be great in those roles. And so off camera, we were talking about my associate head coach who hopefully is going to take over soon where I intentionally stepped back throughout our season to one, make sure the athletes knew that his voice needed just as much attention as mine, but two, to harness his experience and get out of the way when I thought he had a better solution than I did. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but at the end of the day, he's now learning how to make decisions instead of suggestions. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and a lot of times as coaches, we, we kind of dominate a practice or we dominate everything. And there's a few things that we don't need to dominate. There's a, there's a couple of things. Maybe there's a drill, one drill. We don't need to lead that drill. Our assistant could do it. Maybe start off small. Mm -hmm. um, same way as an AD, you know, you probably have AD meetings or coaches meetings where you could probably let some of your coaches teach a lesson or to to throw out some ideas there, however that manifests itself. From that standpoint, so I am currently the chair of our league's athletic directors. And so we, we have a 32-school league that's broken up into divisions by competitive equity, similar to Premier League soccer. And so we have these 30-plus people meetings, and I'm the chair, and I have to facilitate the meeting. But very similarly, it's you're looking at your roster of athletes in the same way. You're looking at your roster of athletic directors whose skill set serves particular task. And so we're doing scheduling. And I got this guy that's like freaking John Nash in a beautiful mind. And he's doing the scheduling. And everybody knows that. And we are deferring to his expertise rather than trying to do things that really we just want it to be delivered to us. And then there's committee work, right? We got to look at sportsmanship or whatever that is. You want to get the right people on the bus in the right seats. 
And so part of my job as the chair is working with our commissioner and helping to build out, okay, who should be on this committee? Who's actually going to do the work? Who's going to participate? And those that are carrying less than their load, how do we get them involved in something maybe that they want to do rather than just sitting there waiting for people to pick up the slack for them? And I think it's the same deal with coaching as an, as an AD. It's like, okay, you are landing now as the head coach. At your previous school, the athletic director did everything for you. At this school, I expect you to take ownership of your program. And therefore, I am going to help you take ownership of all of the aspects that your previous administrator did for you so that you know how to do that. So in the event I drop dead, you can still run your team. And I, I spend a lot of time doing that um, and helping them along when they can't figure it out, but really trying to push them into making some of these decisions on their own. Yeah, I believe you're the first person we've had on the podcast that subscribes to the if I drop dead theory as, of leadership. You know, there's the walking around, managing by walking around. There's all kinds of leadership theories, but the if I drop dead theory, I like it. <laughs> well, uh, Jim Collins and good to great, right? Level five leadership. If you can remove yourself from the equation and nothing changes without you, you've done a great job. That's what I, that's what I try to do as a leader. Um, not, I don't always find success in that because I'm not the most organized human being. And so there are certain things that you know, I don't have uh, documented that I probably do need to. And so we're trying to do that. But I mean, if you think about it organizationally, if everything is dependent on you, how are you building a sustainable programmatic model? And that's a great point there, because I think there are a lot of leaders out there who don't care about sustainability. It's an ego thing. They want to be the one that's up on the pedestal. They don't want their people to operate without them. They want to be the only voice in the room. To your comment at the very beginning of this episode, right? It's you're trying to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And so it's like, I don't want to be the voice in the room. I am asking questions to try to get to a place. I have a conceptual idea of where I want to go. But I'm not great in the minutiae. I'm not great, you know, drilling down on the details and I need help with that. And so I'm asking a lot and I'm, I'm trying to utilize the resources that are in the space to make sure that people can thrive in the areas that they're great. And then I can support them in the areas that they're not and vice versa. Yeah, that's a great point. And we can learn from almost everybody. And, and I was on someone's podcast the other day and we were talking about their football coach went and watched like a softball practice or a volleyball practice mm -hmm. and learned something, got something the way that that coach ended their practice and they took it and then applied it to their own practice. And that might only be the only thing that you like about that other coach, but you got something out of it. And, and amazingly, almost every athletic department, we don't take advantage of, we have so many professional development opportunities within our own department of learning from other people. Well, that's one of the main questions I ask on the pod is what have you learned watching other teams and not necessarily basketball teams? And I think I shared this with you. My office looks out on the pool, so I get to watch water polo practice. I get to watch swimming and then I get to try to figure out, OK, as a basketball coach, how do I take what they're doing and enhance our team's experience? I share an office with our head lacrosse coach who is also a football and basketball coach. And we talk about things all the time. Uh, but it's to that, to that point, 
there are so many things that you can learn about teaching, coaching, relationships. If we can get out of the tunnel vision of I can only learn from my disciplines, coaches. And I think that's something that I would invite anybody to do. Yeah. And especially in the areas of, I mean, you're a basketball coach. I was a basketball coach, especially in basketball and football. We feel like we can't learn from anybody that's not, but boys basketball can only learn from boys basketball, maybe football, you know, and football can only learn from maybe boys basketball in other football. We get tunnel vision on that. And man, there's great coaching. There's great ideas and great thoughts in all these different sports. Well, I had a gentleman that's going to be a new colleague here next year. Uh, record Monday. And he was talking about how he became a better football coach by coaching the pole vault on a track team, which he had never done before. And what it forced him to do was get beginner's mind again, which then forced him to challenge the ways in which he was instructing in his other discipline. And I think that was super important to hear because it goes back to your point where I would say, hey, look, as a basketball, a high school boys basketball coach, the place where you can get the most tangible, utilitarian, transferable things is not from the NBA. It's not from men's college basketball. It's from the women's game at the highest levels because ultimately you're going to see and be able to steal things that are actually transferable to your level athlete. And I don't think people mine there like they should because it's, oh, I'm going to go watch this. It's like, hold up, like go watch those games. That is way more transferable than you watching, you know, Duke and Villanova or whomever, Duke in North Carolina coming up. Because like, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Gino Ariyama a long time ago. At a coaching clinic, he was like, "Yeah, hey, I can tell you everything that we do, but you can't do it because you don't have my athletes." And it's like, bingo. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. What are you doing to help your athletes become? Let's say you have a freshman, you have a sophomore, you know, fifteen year old. How are you helping as a coach or even as an AD? How are you helping the students there at Stevenson become better teenagers, but one day better adults? So that is an area where we have invested the majority of our energy, both as a school and as a program. We, in the fall, uh, come back a couple weeks early, and throughout the week that they're here, we actually have dedicated leadership time that we do each day with the entire fall sports cohort. What we are well aware that we need to do and want to do and are planning to do is to implement that week throughout the year in addition to, hey, we've touched this, and now each coach is now independently responsible for bringing that in. So we're trying to figure out a, out a way to programmatically implement that, right? And we've tried some of your content. We have some other content that I've got from other places that we've created, but we, we need to do a much better job of creating the time and making the commitment to do that programmatically rather than leaving it kind of to each coach. I can speak specifically to our group where when you travel, right, when you are around the athletes, not during practice and not during the games, I feel that's the most valuable time to teach because you're now removing the medium that they're used to and they think they have to be here to become a better basketball player. 
where now you're using time to talk about the things that matter, right? So one big thing for us is that when, when we leave a place, there should be no trace that we were ever there, right? And so we, we hammer that. Um, and those are just like little things that you're doing throughout. And it's like kind of, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So the van should be spotless, right? When you go into a restaurant, that should be spotless. The bench should be spotless, the locker room. Um, and those little things that translate are practicing those habits. Other things we do are at the end of games. Um, you know, we're not talking about, hey, you did this wrong, you did this right. It was just like, hey, celebrations. Like, what did you see a teammate do that you want to celebrate, right? Which is now going to focus their mind on gratitude, hopefully, which then is building that muscle, you know, throughout the rest of their life. We're also going to talk about after games. Hey, reminders, where we had an incident earlier in the year where one of my guys kind of lost his cool. And after the game, we did celebrations. And then one of my other guys is like, hey, can, can I get something else? And he's like, hey, you can't do that, right? Where he like went after the teammate in a really constructive way, where if your team is holding the other teammates accountable, it goes a lot longer or goes a lot farther than if it's just the coaches. So we really try to empower that uh, on my team. I don't have team captains per se. I want all of, I, I expect everybody to lead in the way in which they're capable and follow when necessary. And so I think we try to let that skill set evolve and create opportunities to facilitate that for each of the athletes, like grabbing them, hey, go over there and take care of this, tell them X, Y, and Z, or can you go coordinate this situation for us? Let's unpack that no captains thing, because that <laughs> might've been a, a shock to some of the people listening to this. How do you operate with no captains? What does that look like? What are some things people would have to remember if they were going to try to, to pull that off on their teams? So I think a couple things that are important, and I was just having a conversation with our lacrosse coaches the, two weeks ago about this. One, you have to assess who you are as a coach. Like, what is your authentic self? Two, how big is your team? How big is your assistant coaching staff? What do you actually utilize them and your captains for, right? And so, like, as a basketball team where we have 15 guys on the team, I can talk to the whole group pretty much whenever I want to. If I'm coaching the football team at a bigger school and I have 100 people on that team, it's a whole different beast. And so I think I would probably handle it differently if I was coaching that team. As a basketball coach, where the biggest roster I've ever had is probably 18, I don't know that there's a need in the same way that you would have on a different group. And, and by that, what I mean is if I assign Peter and Michael you're the captains. In my experience over 20 years of doing this, now Bobby doesn't feel that he has a voice anymore. And that's the last thing in the world I want because Bobby might actually have more to add in a certain circumstance than Peter and Michael. And so the way in which we do that, because really it's like, okay, basketball, people go and talk to the refs and have a ridiculous conversation for 30 seconds before the game and they're the captains. It's like, no, they're just going to talk to the referee and get told to call a 30 or a full timeout. Like it does, there's nothing going on there, but do you have somebody that's on the bench? That's going to make sure that the entire team is standing on every single good play 
And when guys come out of the game, right, that to me is way more important than who walks to the center circle. And so the way that I navigate it to your point, how do you do this is when you're going through tryouts or preseason practices, whatever it happens to be, you're encouraging everybody to participate. You are holding them accountable for communication. You are creating opportunities where it's not just, why aren't you talking? Like you're expecting them to communicate. You're teaching them how, and then you're watching who steps in into certain roles and you're not rewarding, but you're catching them doing it right. And then when people overstep a little bit, you're giving reminders. It's like, hey, you might not have the social capital yet to make that comment. How can we help you get there? How can we help you walk the walk before you try to talk to talk, right? And so you're building all these leaders. And then, you know, you're also putting people like, who are the natural leaders that may not even be good basketball players? Like we had a guy from the football team that's probably one of the best leaders I've ever been around who the guys wanted to come play basketball. And he's like, hey, I'm thinking about coming out. I was like, great, come, let's go. Who essentially operated as one of our captains, even though I didn't, we didn't name that, but his natural tendency to take ownership of things Everybody knows and they defer to him. And so he had a whole lot of social capital, even though he may have played 30 minutes the entire season. And so it's one of those things where if you're in a normal situation and it's like, well, the best players, the cat, it's like, he's not even talking. And it's like, you're taking away a guy that is actually leading us every single day in the way in which he conducts his life. Yeah, that's a good point. And you talked earlier about empowering people. You know, there's going to be times when, when there's three kids in the back of the bus or three kids in the, the cafeteria or in the, in the locker room, but none of them are the captain. And so if you haven't empowered your people to have a voice or to hold each other accountable, those three guys, all three might be looking around and be like, well, it's not my responsibility. I'm not the captain. I'm not going to talk to this guy or say or call him out or, or remind him of what we do here because I'm not the captain. Correct. And where I saw it, unfortunately, play out in its greatest self this year was before a game. Um, we were meeting. And again, I work at a boarding school. So we're meeting in my driveway to get in the vans and go to a game. And as and I'm coaching the middle school girls game while the guys are showing up to meet. And my associate coach was going to take them. And I was going to follow up later with the managers after the after the middle school game. And I get a call from one of my captains, like one of my guys that is a leader on a team. And he's like, so-and-so is having a seizure. Get over here right now. And I'm like in the middle of this game. So I look, I call our school nurse who happened to be in the gym. I'm like, can you come over here and coach the team? I got to go outside. I called our trainer. I was like, hey, he's having a seizure. Get out to the boom. And by the time I finally get out there, I've got one of my other teammates who's in the car sitting there while his teammate has his feet kind of in the door, he's laying on the ground with my assistant coach holding his head in his lap. And I've got this kid who was the football player who's already called 911, who's already called the parents, who's already got the rest of the team wrangled to deal with this situation where by the time I get out there, that paramedics are already arriving and the group has already managed this thing in a way in which, as an adult, I don't know if I could have managed it in that way, but they saw a problem, and 
address the dilemma before anybody would have ever had to teach them to do that. Now, is that just because they were special kids or they've been empowered? I don't know, but I know that it saved the kid's life because he was having a seizure for 30 minutes and then was in the ICU and then had to get taken to Stanford for a week, right? And so that's where I saw that play out where everybody played their role in that moment. And we were able to help one of our teammates get to the other side of this thing that was really scary for all of us. And then afterwards, to go and sit in my house after he's taken off in the ambulance and I've already called and canceled the game, but now we're sitting there and actually standing in a circle on my front lawn. First of all, guys are holding hands and one of my guys coach, can I lead us in a prayer right now? And this is the kid who never even talks. It's like, yeah, let's go. Boom. Right. And so guys being able to understand or, or gals, athletes, whatever, that they can step into that role when needed is super important. And I don't, I just haven't had the experience where if you just allow one or two people to do that, that you get the same response and people stepping into their full selves. And you might have the, you know, the kid who's, whose job on a team is to be comic relief, who knows, but you want them to be their, their best selves. Yeah. And you said, you don't know exactly why, they stepped up. Was it just great kids or, or the empowerment issue or whatever? But I, but I do know on the flip side that if, if coach is the only one that ever is allowed to make a decision or say anything, or, you know, just do what you're told to do. And that's all you ever do in your culture. Your environment is just do what you're told to do, do what you're told to do. Well, if they're not told to do something, they're not going to do anything. So I'm not sure why those kids acted the right way, I would assume because they were empowered. But I do know on the flip side, they probably wouldn't have acted if they're always being beat down or always being just be a follower, be a follower, be a follower, be a follower. Honestly, I think as we reflected on it, part of it is before COVID, we would actually go out with each team and execute the emergency action plan. We haven't done it since we got back. So I think there was a little bit of residual that helped. But I also think it was a great reminder where you're going to get what you practice. And how often do we practice going through the emergency action plan? And that was a great reminder to make sure that we're doing that with all the teams because I think there was some carryover from that, right? The guy that runs down to the road to wait for the, the paramedics as they come, right? And the guy to go get the defibrillator, right? Whatever it is, it's like they kind of responded, I think, having muscle memory from two years ago. If you are a coach or an athletic director, there's no question that you care about your student athletes and their development. The Leadership Playbook is a program that can help your athletes become better teammates and more positive leaders just two minutes at a time. There are hundreds of short video lessons that can be viewed by your athletes on their phones or tablets. To find out more about how you can build a stronger culture, please visit theleadershipplaybook.com. In fact, you are going to get $100 off the price just for being a listener. If you're listening to this episode, use coupon code SUCCESS at checkout and save yourself $100. If you're a coach of a team or an athletic director, this is one of the best deals you are going to get all year long to help out your program. Once again, that address is theleadershipplaybook.com and be sure to use coupon code SUCCESS. And now, let's get back to this insightful conversation. I'm guessing that you've made one or two mistakes during your career. You said, you know, as, as a coach, 
you've been coaching for about 20 years. You know, there's probably one time that you made a mistake. Would you like to go to confessional, share that mistake or share some mistakes you've made? And, and so maybe we don't make those same mistakes. We can learn from them. I mean, there's some more than I can count, you know, and I think ultimately, I guess it would depend on, do you have a theme that you want to hear a mistake from? Cause I'm sure I've got them all covered. And uh, I guess what would, what would best serve the audience here, coach? Well, we, we don't need any from your personal life. So, <laughs> so you can cross off, you know, half of that book you don't have to look at. Right. Uh, give us one uh, dealing with people issue as an AD, maybe as an AD where you haven't dealt a relationship issue or, or not listening or dealing with people. Yeah, I'll give you one from the last 18 months. So, um, you know, during the pandemic where everything was pretty much closed down, and families were trying to figure out, especially in California, um, for those of you that aren't aware, we are a very left-leaning uh, state, and especially in the metropolitan areas, and have a lot of bureaucracy and policies that take, you know, a lot of time to do things. So, um, even as an institution, we took a very conservative approach to handling COVID. And as such, institutionally aside, right, people were looking how to get their kids involved. And how, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? And so I took a call or an email, actually, from a parent. And it was basically laying out all the things that I should be doing. And why am I not doing them? And then I proceeded to follow up with a phone call to said parent and explain all of the reasons that we weren't doing them and why they were wrong in their uh, assumptions. And I thought in the moment I was trying to shed light and clarity so that they could understand what room we did have to operate in. And it came off to them as I was very condescending and not receptive. And so I had to circle back and apologize and make sure that the intention and the impact matched. And at the end of the day, I didn't take enough time to just really process like, look, everybody's struggling. I don't need to be right here. Um, I need to, you know, they don't see what I see and they don't necessarily have to, they just want to feel heard. And so that was, you know, I, that happened a couple of times because it's the AD. It's like, I'm just taking paper cuts and that individual happened to just get the wrath that day because I was tired of the paper cuts. Um, and so I would say in, in communication to your question, and I am very, I want to say impulsive, but I am very like, I don't like stuff piling up. I want to get it off my plate. So something comes in, boom, I'm dealing with it. And sometimes you need to take a pause. You need to just not get it off your plate. You need to leave it as unread in the email, even though you've read it and click it and go back, right? And so I think as an administrator, especially, um, get as much off your plate as quick as you can. But some of those things that might be a little trickier, go ahead and press pause. Have somebody read your response, right? Uh, bounce your response off of somebody else to see how it's going to land. And I think that's something that I've learned um, throughout my teaching career because I've fired off some 
some stuff quickly that I shouldn't have. And now I have a delay on the email. I can unsend it and I can, you know, try to navigate some of these things. And I just try to be more responsive than reactive and learn that through, uh, you know, saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. And uh, thankfully it wasn't catastrophic in any of those situations. I have rarely found as an athletic director when I was a coach or even now working for myself, I've rarely found that if you wait just a little bit longer to send that email, I haven't found a situation where that's a, a negative. Now, that doesn't mean you wait two or three or four days if they need an answer, you know, that day. But uh, just waiting and taking, like you say, a pause, that's not, that's not a bad thing, especially if it's controversial or especially if there's tempers or it's heated or well, where can people find you, find out about your podcast? Give us a little hashtag shameless plug. We have a couple different channels, but the easiest thing to do is just go to contactspodcast.com and there's a link tree there. You can jump between things. We're on every podcast player that's out there. The, it's just called Contacts. Um, as I mentioned earlier, basically it's interviews with other coaches about you know what, what they've learned throughout. It's just what we're doing here with a bunch of other coaches. Coaches, it's non-disciplinary, so it's not just basketball people. We got lacrosse, we got swimming, we got water polo, volleyball, whatever. And you can go through almost like a Tim Ferriss book and just pick the chapters that you want to listen to. And then there's a sister podcast that's called Why Sports, but that one uh, was designed to speak to the student, not the coach, about the value of athletics as they prepare to tackle life. And so we interviewed doctors, lawyers, hedge fund managers, whatever, that played athletics and the impact that that had in their life. Well, Justin, we appreciate uh, you joining us, but we also even more so appreciate what you're doing for student athletes. Appreciate what you're doing for your coaches there at Stevenson as well, because that's uh, that's what it's all about, man, what you're doing for the student athletes and how you can help them out. Keep coaching the coaches, keep leading the leaders. We appreciate it. This podcast was also brought to you by teachhoops.com. As coaches, our inboxes will get flooded with noise on how to make your program better. Teachhoops.com will get you focused on what needs to get done. One thing you've heard from these podcasts is no matter the experience, you got to keep pushing yourself to be better. Coach Steve Collins will help you direct that noise. He is there to help you. He has the credentials as a coach, and he's never turned down a Teach Hoops member. Sign up for a plan at teachhoops.com and mention us at checkout. This site is here simply to help you be better. Take advantage and see you on the court. Remember, go to teachhoops.com. Drink Element is a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. Each grab-and-go stick pack replaces essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. Element is thrilled to be releasing a new limited time flavor this November, Element Milk Chocolate. I drink Element every day to support my workouts and being on the court and in the classroom. As a member of our community, Element has a special offer for you. Claim your free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. Get yours today at drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T, dot com slash contacts.